0: Welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 127. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, Steelers Depot Thanks for being back with us here this Monday Steelers Nation. Dave, how are you doing? How was your weekend it
1: was very uh, entertaining? Yes. Uh, got to watch uh, some lopsided hockey games and Got to watch the Pirates continue. <laughs> they <laughs> just when they reel me back in, and then, <laughs> uh, and then they then they drop drop what seven in a row now. I think they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe you need to pull a reverse jinx here. Wasn't it last year that that you went? They they they, they never they never would win or wouldn't even score right. any runs when you went. Maybe maybe you'll have the uh, reverse effect on them uh, this time. But uh, yeah, look. I mean, here we are past the draft now, and uh, it's funny how the NFL keeps the calendar uh, moving. And you know, this week, I think, uh, I, you know, at least I think you know, the initial report is on the 11th, which I think is what Thursday mm-hmm. when the uh, NFL regular season schedules supposed supposed to drop. I know Peter King wonders if that's going to happen on time, but uh, I would imagine that the NFL is not going to miss an opportunity to, to, uh, to have a day this week to you know have all eyes on them. So it will be interesting to see if, if indeed that happens and, and, you know specifically the order of this. You know the Steeders' schedule. We've known who they've going to who they're going to play for. Uh, obviously, since the uh, 2022 season ended, but there's something magical that happens when you start putting all that uh, order order together. There, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, not my favorite time of year, but the NFL calendar never sleeps. And so we'll assume it'll happen on Thursday and leaks generally start to come out, you know, the day before and throughout that Thursday afternoon before the actual release uh, is is announced in the evening. So we'll keep you uh, busy and and informed about the schedule news here. uh, Hey, real
1: real, Mm -hmm. real quick, uh, if you you have to throw a dart right now uh, uh, as to who who and where they will open up against. I mean, look, I mean, that streak's got to come to an end finally, right? About week one at home. I think right. we said this last year, but.
0: Well, the Pirates are going to be on the road around that right. time, right? So that was a thought. Maybe this year right. will finally be the year.
1: So uh, you, you, uh, my bet is they'll open at home in week one. I, and I'm, I'm willing to bet you're willing to go that way as uh, well, too. Who do you think they will open uh, at home against who would be your best guess right now?
0: How often do they open up against a divisional opponent? Not I know it's very, happened against not, the Browns occasionally.
1: Yeah, not, not, not terribly often. And obviously last year they opened up up against the Bengals, right? You
0: right. I, I'll say it's a home opener against Cleveland. They've done that a couple of times with Watson first, you know, full season in Cleveland. I'll say at home against the Browns.
1: I will say at home against the Titans.
0: Any particular reason for Tennessee?
1: Yeah, because well, here's what I did. I said, okay, I'm, I, and, and it, there's there's no logic. You spent
0: way too much time on this. <laughs> I can already tell.
1: <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no logical reason to this. I said, okay, let's let's throw out all the AFC North teams just uh, just to, by chance that uh, they don't want them opening up I- in division. Let's throw out all the uh, west of the Mississippi teams and And no no real reason other than just to, uh they don't want those guys to come come east uh, first week. So uh, I eliminated by no real reason of process of elimination the Ravens, the Bengals, the browns, the Cardinals,, uh, let's see the uh, uh, the Packers uh, and San Francisco. So that left me with the Jaguars, 49ers. And the Titans. Well, if you look back, I think the last couple of years, I think the uh I think the uh, uh uh Jaguars and 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 Patriots have opened up on the road. So I'm gonna let them stay at home. Whereas I think the Titans the last couple of years have opened at home. So uh playing that meaning meaningless game, <laughs> uh, I I came away with the Titans.
0: All right, I'll stand by my statement. You spent too much time yeah, I did. thinking about that one. Yeah, yeah but we'll see. I mean, they could, opened up against against Tennessee years ago. It was like that 1911 game. Was that the? That like was Dennis the pouncey, uh Was it pouncey that
1: the pouncy injury one or no?
0: Was it? I can't remember. I just know there was an opener. I mean, they had the, you know, I was at week two. I'd had, I, I'm, I'm uh, stumbling right now, so I'm not quite sure. But okay, I'll go with you on the Titans. I get that.
1: Okay. I, I, that would make for a pretty interesting matchup as well, too, I think, wouldn't it?
0: They don't usually do NFC games to start seasons, correct? Usually you don't get that conference crossover. Because I was thinking Green Bay would be interesting, the start of the Jordan Love era against Pittsburgh.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting as well, too.
0: I mean, I guess they, they played the Giants in an opener in 2020. So right. I suppose it's possible, but I, I'll say either Green Bay or Cleveland, but who the heck knows?
1: Okay. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for three eighty nine dollars a month for 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution or lease request for capital. Extra charge for miles over $20,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark.
0: All right, all right, we
1: Dave, we, we effect, effectively killed eight minutes of time there <laughs> in our
0: podcast about nothing off to a good start. Andy uh-huh. Weidel speaking on Friday. The perk of having the assistant GM is that you get to hear from him post-draft as well. And so Andy Weidel talking to the media, and I think we all needed a cold shower after the quote of Whew. we will impose our will on other teams. Getting back to that bully ball mentality, very much in lockstep with the Pittsburgh steam of adding big physical people both O-line, D-line, and at corner as well. And so Andy Weidel very much on board with the direction this team is headed.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it it was hard not to get a little excited after, after watching him talk. Uh, he says, what are your kind of guys? He says, our kind of guys? He says, Steelers, physical, tough, love football, high-character guys, high-football character players, guys that are resilient. They can handle it. They can come back from a setback, and they just have fortitude. They're strong-willed, they're tough-minded players and people. And uh, I think uh, uh, the 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 quote you went after there. I'm trying to find it here uh, about the the will, the exact. Uh, Quote, do you have that? Let's
0: see. Yeah, we it. want to be able to impose our will on teams. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You go break the other team's sword in the second half of a game, go be able to win on the road. That's what we're building. That's what we have here. That's what they've been in the past. And we want to continue that identity. End quote.
1: Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go go break some swords. Exactly. Uh yeah, look, I mean you, you go back through this off season here, and you you, you kind of see the direction that this team has gone, uh, starting in free agency and getting those big guys up front, and not only on offense but on on a defensive side of football with you know guys like Fajoco and uh, uh, Watts. You know, uh, you kind of kind of bigger uh, physical guys, and then you fast forward into the, into the draft and, and what they've done here. And yeah, look, I mean, I, I think everybody, and we've, we've said all along, you know, or, or most of the offseason here, uh, we, with the direction this team is going, we expect this team to come out on the offense and just try to, you know, uh, you know, you would think first and foremost, try to establish that run and, 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 and bludgeon people and, uh, kind of let the passing game work off of that moving forward here. So yeah, I, you know, that I, I really think this is set up and, and has gone the way that they've kind of planned it out to go. And now we'll of course have to wait and see if, if, you know, it was the right way and if they're able to pull it off that way because second year quarterback and, uh you 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 would think that you want to surround him with as good a running game as possible and uh the kind of running game that we talk about, you run you run good early so you can run so you have the opportunity to run great late in games. And hopefully we'll we'll be able to see this. And I think, you know, Andy Weidel's message coming out of that press conference was pretty clear on that.
0: Yeah, and again, I think it just echoes the same sentiment. Shared and expressed by Omar Khan, by Mike Tomlin, and just by the moves that Pittsburgh has made, both in the offseason and for agency and throughout the draft. And so what I like about the 2023 Steelers compared to the 2022 Steelers is, you know, they're still in a bit of a transition, but they have a plan. They knew who they want to be. 2022, they really did not know who they wanted to be, especially offensively with obviously the you know turning of the page of the Ben era into Trubisky, Pickett. Weren't even 100% sure who your starting quarterback was, let alone what your offensive identity needed to be, wanted to be. That's a totally different story in 2023. Pickett is the guy. He is the franchise. He has the keys. And they know who they want to be, how they want to win offensively. They don't have to go through the painful process of trying to discover that throughout the season as they they did pre-bye week of 2022.
1: Well, how many times did we say that last year? You know, who, you know, what 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 is the identity of this offense? And
0: even the players said it right. like we don't know who uh, we are. Yeah.
1: But uh, you you get past that bye week, and it, at least it, it it sort of started to take shape there. And you know they 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 obviously bounced back and won some games, but uh, I think they looked at the roster and said, you know, the uh, who who we want to be we don't have all the, the right pieces to be that. So let's go out and uh, make it, the you know, priority during the off season to get, get pieces of, uh, and just, just goes, just goes back to show you that, you know, some of those pieces came from uh, what Philadelphia or had Philadelphia roots to it. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially look at what the uh, Eagles have managed to accomplish uh, the last couple seasons here. So uh, look, uh, it, it, you know, the, the pieces are here now. So You know, don't, uh, uh, you know, don't tell me about the labor pains anymore. Show me the baby at this point. So now it's up to them to, to, uh, to get this thing done. And obviously, you know, the first stage of that will be rookie minicamp coming up this next weekend. That should be interesting, uh, from several levels to see where some guys line up at, and you know, just, uh, you know, the first, first of many off season practices to go here.
0: And you really felt this Andy Weidel influence throughout the offseason, the way that the Eagles, as you just referenced, built their team through the trenches, having a really strong ground game. Obviously, the offense and the quarterbacks built a little bit differently, but that was the principle. That was the core. And even just his overall background, being an offensive lineman in college at Villanova, playing guard, being in the NFL, his first ever draft class, the Steelers' first pick in 1998 was Alan Fanica, you know, Hall of Fame guard. And so... Um, you know, I think just based on the moves that Pittsburgh has made, they've really looked at what Weidel and Eagles built and have tried to to model that in Pittsburgh. And will it work? You know, we'll have to wait and see. But I like the, the direction this team is going.
1: Yeah, once again, I mean, I, I I don't think you can fault the overall theory and and you know direction and the the moves that they've made so far. And obviously, coming out of the draft and you know, that had a big physical theme to it as, as well too. Uh, they don't, you know, they're not, they're not going to be bullied. <laughs> they want to be the bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, now at this point, you had a good article about, you know, expect bully ball, uh, you know, moving forward into 2023 here. I, uh, what else about Andy kind of got you excited? what did you think about the, uh, uh, the, the, the Wisconsin connection?
0: Yeah. With the coach there, Chris, uh, Herring or hearing, I'm not not sure on the pronunciation there, but Weidel had said that, you know, he had a connection there with with Wisconsin because Herring was the longtime Mount Lebanon head coach, which is where Weidel grew up, where his kids went to school. I believe they were coached by by Herring. Now, he's no longer with Wisconsin. He just left after the 2022 season. But, of course, throughout this past year, throughout the fall, Weidel said he kind of leaned on him to get insight on guys like Keanu Benton. And Nick kerbic And so obviously Pittsburgh was drafting Wisconsin guys before this class with Isaiah Ludemook with TJ Watt, etc. But Whitele, you know, having that connection there gives you that extra insight that maybe some other teams didn't quite have to that level, knowing somebody on the inside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh and you know that 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 you know, look, you go back to the uh the senior ball, right? And uh, what it, didn't Keanu Benton say something to the line of, you know, they what was his what was his phrasing that he used? Yeah,
0: Benton told us that the Steelers told him that he was on their radar. That was okay. the, on their radar was the quote.
1: Now, some will say, I wonder how many you know players would say something like that, but it stuck out at the time, you know.
0: Sure, for us at least, kind of diving into the draft process. Obviously, right. Benton was watched throughout the year, and I believe, wide reference, going to one of those games. And I'm sure they had other scouts there throughout the year on practices and on Saturday. So, you know, it, it's not it's not like they first discovered Keanu Benton at the Senior Bowl, far from it. But you know, all those things layer in terms of watching him there, seeing him there, having the inside connection with one of the coaches. Um, you know, watching him, you know, play, watching the all twenty two. He put those all things together, and that creates the profile and the report on the player that makes you feel really comfortable with the guy. And again, I think just projecting Wisconsin defensive players to Pittsburgh scheme because there's so much overlap being odd fronts, having similar uh, philosophies in terms of run stunts and blitzes and the calls that they make makes that projection a bit easier in a still otherwise muddy and difficult process to project. Anytime you can make that a bit cleaner, you're pretty intrigued by it.
1: Uh, what did you think about his uh, his 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 uh, thoughts on Benton, uh, based on you know kind of the, the 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 struggles on tape against Ohio State, but how what they saw at the senior ball with his pass rush ability and all like that uh, really really you know uh, solidified it for him.
0: Yeah, I see that on tape. Uh, He's not—he's—he's going to be a nose tackle to start, the Steelers said, but he's not just a run stuffer that's going to take on double teams and free up the linebackers. I think he can do that with better technique, but he's somebody that can rush the passer as well. I'll uh, I'll have a video Tuesday that kind of breaks down one trait I like about each of the seven Steelers draft picks. And with Benton, I said the quick hands and I think the athletic profile for how big he is, how big that lower half is, some of the you know, hip and ankle flexibility that he has in this game to corner and finish and rush the passer combined with those active quick hands and string together moves makes him more than just a pure run stuffing nose tackle that gives you pass rush value, that gives you sub package rotational value. And so I think you saw that in some of those 1v1 moments um, at the senior bowl to kind of just get a, a feel for, OK, this guy's a pass rusher, quick quick, off the football and some of those more focused type drill. So yeah, I think it's a really good opportunity to watch those guys 1v1 against, you know, the top talent in the in this draft class. That's what the senior bowl certainly provides. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why we pay a lot of attention to that and we remind people annually, especially once you get past the first couple. How many underclassmen did they take past the second round?
0: It's a good question. Uh was Washington an underclassman? Did he declare?
1: I think he didn't he because he wasn't at the senior ball, was he?
0: Right. He wasn't at any of these. I'm going to have to pull events. up. But it,
1: it's been a while since I've looked back at my master because uh, I make sure to notate in there on the Okay, He
0: did declare, combine. but I don't know if that's one of those senior because you got the super senior thing still that right. I have to be careful of. But I I'm, I believe he was an underclassman. I think it was a three-year guy at Georgia, maybe Redshirt Jr.
1: Uh, I have him listed as an underclassman for what is so. so okay. uh, I believe you. Uh, for there, and let's see, cornerback obviously,
0: trice. I'm pretty sure wasn't, and Anderson, I'm sure, right. not uh, the so probably in Herbig wasn't. So, just just Washington oh, and okay. uh, Broderick Jones,
1: uh, yeah, that's why you know, good going back to pay attention to those all star games, right? You know, especially when you're trying to put your mock together and 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 things related to that kind of stuff. All right, what would you think about you know, we continue the to 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 uh, uh, you know, he, they're continue to be asked about Herbig and whether or not he's an outside or inside guy, and they're 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 keeping this pretty vanilla with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything new that Whiteal added. He just kind of reiterated what Con had said about you know he might play inside and outside. There's some flexibility there. So again, we'll get eyes, and hopefully, be some reports will come out during the spring, but certainly. Once camp hits in late July, we'll be out there in person and can really chart and and map those things out. So I I imagine they're going to try to use him at both to kind of see where he fits best before maybe trying to peg him in one particular position.
1: All right. What else from anything else from uh, Andy White will stick out to you?
0: Yeah, I thought his comments about, I want to get your take on on the type of corners this team is looking for. We talk about the physicality, O-line, D-line, when the the, the point of attack. But how about a quarterback getting those two big long corners And Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice Jr.? And he talked about, Widal did, saying, quote, we're aware of the other players that we have in our division, the receivers that we have to defend against, and I think with Corey and with Joey, uh, speed and length can shrink the field of an offense and these guys have speed and they have length and so I think about you know Jamar Chase I think about T Higgins how do you defend some of these big guys and I think having that size and and length and the ability to kind of leverage um you know these guys and maybe push them to the sideline is going to help and just disrupt timing of routes um because again so much of the modern NFL passing game is based on you know timing and rhythm and ball comes out in two and a half seconds and if they can't you know if the timing is thrown off by, a good jam and and a receiver who can't stem his route properly off the line, then that pass rush is going to get home uh, that much more effectively. So you're seeing that type that, you know, Indianapolis has looked towards Seattle has looked towards those big long corners that hopefully can reroute at the line. And that's Russian coverage going together.
1: Uh, I'm fully on board with that. I don't think we're, uh, I don't think we're going to see a ton of cover three.
0: (laughs) Yeah, probably a little bit, not, not the old school Dick LeBeau fire zone
1: right right uh and look Russian coverage does you know the uh and I think you hit on something really good there uh uh, uh the the more often you can disrupt you know the overall timing on a play whether it be a jam and make a make a make a receiver have to uh, uh dance a little bit more at, at at the line of scrimmage to to get off and get around you know, press type situations and uh, give uh, guys like T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, uh, you know, th- another three quarters of a second maybe to uh, to 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 impact. You know, the 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 pocket. I think all that adds up. And look, you're you know, uh, the other teams made to put, make plays too, right? And and sure. uh, but within that, you know, I look once again. This goes back to the identity I think this team wants to have, and I I, I think they've made it very very clear they 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 want to uh be the aggressor here uh they want to play you know a, a level of bully ball on both sides of the football
0: they do um and there's no question about that and i think what's really attractive with with porter and trice is you just A, you don't see many corners in college that press at all uh, much less ones that can do it effectively. Yeah, I think that's one reason why it's so tough to evaluate some of these college receivers because they're playing in wide open spread systems. They're seeing off coverage and, you know, defenses that just don't want to get beat deep and give up the big explosive game-changing play. And so most of these guys are used to clean releases and most corners are playing, you know, bail coverage or off coverage or zone coverage, whatever it may be. And so to get corners that can press and press pretty effectively, um, I thought that they got, they, they got two of the better ones in this class and, Porter and Trice. Now, I think both those guys have things to work on. I think Porter's, you know, pressman technique needs to be cleaned up still a little bit, but these guys are obviously comfortable and they want to be aggressive. They want to use their length and their size, and you don't see a lot of college corners that are comfortable doing that type of stuff. And so to get both of those guys, I think is really intriguing watching their careers going forward.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, with a guy with Porter, obviously where he's drafted, you would expect him to get on the field sooner rather than later. And, You know, uh, a lot of attention will be on throughout the rest of his offseason. Can he, can he, can he crack that lineup by, by, uh, week one and, 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 you know, be, be a starter on one side? Uh, obviously the real wild card here and, uh, it's it's quite a, quite a lottery ticket if it comes through for you is a guy like Corey Trice Jr. Uh, I mean, there's, there's obvious reasons why he, uh, you know, fell as far as he did, you know, maybe it is medical problems. Maybe it is, uh, some teams maybe had him viewed as a, as, as a potential move to safety type guy, but the Steelers have made it clear that they think he can be a cornerback and a, you know, cornerback in their system. And, uh, it just, your mind races to think, imagine, imagine if they do hit on both of these guys, uh, and right out of the shoot at that. Now, obviously, you know, I, th- I think it would take a lot for a guy like Corey Trice to to get on the field come week one. But you know, what, what, what if through you know the natural materialization of the season and how many times have we talk this off season about you know what does the future hold at the cornerback position past this year when it when you talk about guys under contract, right? Levi Wallace, Akella Witherspoon, Arthur Millett, uh, James Pierre all those guys uh their contracts in you know assuming they all were to make the 53 man roster this year there's no guarantee that happens but they all all their contracts are up after this year what what does the future of the secondary uh look like past 2023 and within that you, you know obviously the hope is that that you know Porter Gets into the starting lineup sooner rather than later. And what if, I mean, it's a huge what if, but what if Trice can as well too, and, 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 uh, be that mid round talent that you got for a steal in the later rounds.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I have to keep reminding myself of. Obviously, when we think seventh round pick, we think, well, this guy's probably going to need some time. You don't really want him making an impact right away. But we know the tape is was better than seventh round by far. I think again, late day two type of tape this guy had. And so while there's going to be you know guys in front of him and, and Peterson, Wallace, and Porter to before Trice could play, you know this guy has talent where he could play earlier than most seventh round picks because he's not your typical. Seventh round selection. I saw a comparison and at first I kind of bristled at it. But the more I thought about it, the more I can I can understand it. We wrote about this the other day about a comp between Trice and Cortez Allen. And at first I thought, eh, how good was really Cortez Allen? Is that is that the guy that you want to be? But you know, Allen was sometimes used as that sort of tight end matchup on Gronk and trying to be mm-hmm. that that tight end, not not a racer necessarily, but just that that answer to it. And Trice, while I don't think he's really a, a, a true slot corner, I think he can play on tight ends on third down against Mark Andrews, for example, or against, you know, whatever the great tight ends that you're going to see, um, that have become so commonplace in this league. So I think what Trice can do with that, that length, that size, that physicality, um, against some tight ends on third down in your dime package could be something to look for, you know, maybe, maybe later in the season, but certainly in in 2024.
1: Right. And look, I mean, if he comes out to shoot healthy at, 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 from OTAs and on and stays on, you know, the worst thing about this time of year is, and, and is you hate to hear about any of these guys and get on into training camp about any of them missing any time. Right. Because it's so important about learning the system and, 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 and being available. Uh, and we, how many, how many times have we come out of draft and, you know, think maybe this guy will get on the field early and all, then he ends up you know, for whatever he's soft tissue. I think that even happened with Cortez. Didn't it? Do you, do I'm you sure.
0: Did I have to go back and check, but, but him or
1: Curtis Brown, I, it's been so long ago, but it seems like, uh, and it might have even been both those both. guys. I know.
0: I know Brown. I think had a hamstring issue at one point.
1: Right. But, uh, and it seems like maybe Cortez, did, I, I'll have to go back. It's been too long, but, uh, seemed like a couple of those guys missed some time, you know, from, from rookie mini camp on into training camp or whatnot that, that you know, end up set, set, set them behind uh, the eight ball, you know, right to start with. So I think it's imperative that, that, that these guys stay healthy throughout the off season. And if they do that, then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. See about maybe getting them on the field sooner rather than later.
0: Last thing from Whitehall, he talked about Broderick Jones, obviously excited about the pick, called it a brilliant move from, from Omar Khan. Maybe a little strong there, but fair enough. I will take it. He talked about, though, with Jones, how he can open up the Steelers offense. What do you think that means? What do you think Jones could do whenever he does play that could open up this offense?
1: I think you can get him out on the edge. You're <laughs> uh, thinking like toss
0: game. You're thinking screen game. Or anything? I, all in particular? of it.
1: All of it. Okay. I, yo know, I mean, look, I mean, you, 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 saw what they can do at Georgia uh, with some of those quick wide receiver screens or some of those those tosses, uh, especially when they would have uh, Darnell Washington out there as well, too. I mean, those guys uh, can get out in space. I, I, I envisioned them, you know, obviously coming out of the shoot and trying to run the football and running it off and, and forcing teams really to, uh, on defensive side of football, at least my hope is that they, they, they come into games knowing that they're not going to be able to play too high, you know? Mm. Uh, so within that, it it, 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 you know, uh, it would open up some, some, of the passing game down the field for, for Kenny Pickett and company, uh, you know, as a result of teams, just saying, look, man, this, this team's going to come out and try to run the ball against us in any way possible. And that means uh, pass plays, w- which are essentially, elongated run games, right. You know, right? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the quick passes, the screen games, uh, the tosses, the, the, you know, I don't think the jet sweep, you know, unfortunately for some listeners, is isn't going to go away. Uh, but if you, how many times do we see though them try to do that? You know, last year specifically, and and one guy, whether it be Gentry or or Dan Moore or Chukwuma just not getting out there to make that one key block.
0: Sure. All the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, what Jones can do pulling, they didn't pull the tackles too much last year. Um, You might be able to do more of that. Some of those dart concepts with Jones. I can't wait for the first tight end screen with Jones out in front of Darnell Washington. I just want to see that. And that's going to be, I think a lot of fun to go out there and see some of the misdirection that you can do to get those guys open in space and uh, the throwback screen type stuff. So yeah, I think in terms of the screen game, which has been such a pain point for Pittsburgh for years now, when it comes to the, the tight end running back screen game, hopefully can be better with a guy like Broderick Jones out in space.
1: You know, I, I, and I'm trying to go back through my head. I mean, I probably five or six instances right off the top of my head. Can I remember last year, man, uh, that uh, this, this elongated run game, meaning, you know, quick pass or whatnot, uh, that could have busted for, for, uh, you know, for for an explosive play, had they got this one block, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and and how, yeah, it is. It is all about that too, you know. So it, it, if things are blocked up perfectly, uh, on 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 plays, a, a lot of them are designed to go twenty yards, right?
0: Yeah, you don't design, you know, plays where you get three yards if it all goes perfect. So obviously, a, a you seal triple.
1: here, a seal here. <laughs> uh, I want to see a lot of that. Yeah.
0: And a lot of alleys, they get created off those seals. And yeah, I mean, everything looks good on the whiteboard until they get it out on the field and you need the guys that can actually execute that. So, um, yeah, I think that was interesting comment there. I want to see how that manifests itself in this Canada based offense, but certainly to get that really hyper athletic left tackle is something Pittsburgh's not had in in quite some time.
1: If we get to week one, is it disappointing if uh, Broderick's not the week one left tackle?
0: To a, to a degree, because you always want your first-round guys to be on the field you know, right away. Um, but I also understand this guy's pretty raw, and there's going to be work in his game. It's not always going to look as pretty, and there's going to be probably some days in camp or a preseason game where you sit there and say, yeah, man, this guy, you know, he looks a little bit rougher than we thought. And I think Dan Moore is going to present a good challenge, being a veteran guy that's played all, what, 33 games the last two seasons, or 34, whatever it is. Um, and so I don't want to assume that Jones will just waltz in and be handed it anything but obviously you know you, with that skill set that jones has you want to see this guy out there sooner than later
1: who got you more fired up uh these last several days con or 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 weidel
0: i think weidel just when you say yeah you know, uh, we want to impose our will i mean Con's breaking swords baby guys. breaking <laughs> swords yeah i'm not even sure what that means but i'll take it i mean it just all sounds good on a it sounds
1: medieval, doesn't
0: it? I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. It really yeah, it really does. So, I think vital, but um yeah, you know, it's all exciting and obviously get him on the field and you really just can't wait to see these guys in action which will start this weekend. All right. Uh one other quick note speaking of this weekend, the Steelers mini camp tryout list has grown uh, a little bit. Still don't know the the full list is probably going to be 10 or 15 names that that appear this weekend that um we're not currently aware of. I think the most interesting name that will be uh, in minicamp this weekend uh, on a tryout basis is Gabe Oladipo from Texas Tech, a defensive lineman. And on the surface, okay, defensive lineman from Texas Tech, what's so special about that? This guy has not played in a game since high school. He was a, a track and field guy in in uh, disc throwing and I think some of the other you know throwing, I'm not knowledgeable here about this too much, but Uh, weight throwing competitions and he was doing that at Texas Tech until 2022 then went back out for the football team was on the team but only practiced all year never actually appeared in a game so really interesting story here Gable Adipo really strong Um, I think he benched 29 at his pro day had good testing ran a sub five second 40 so he's a he's a good athlete obviously with uh, I'm looking at his photo just like a massive you know upper half uh, with all the throwing that he's done but one of the more interesting names, a guy that's not really that's not played in a game since high school will be in a NFL uh, rookie minicamp this weekend.
1: A guy that would probably do good in the in the Kazora toss, right? <laughs> I
0: think he he has the record there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's him. And then the uh the the freshman year bully, I think, is in second place in the Kazora toss. So, yeah, there you uh, go.
1: Uh, uh, I would. <laughs> I, 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 that's, that's interesting. Uh, I I would look at this as the old no stone left unturned category, uh, height, weight, speed, uh, you know, you, you want, you want a chance to play football and, and, and let it, let us get a look at you. Uh, come on in.
0: Yeah. Really interesting there. So obviously the odds of him making it are probably going to be, you know, slim, like most of these trout guys, but I thought a really interesting, uh, story there any days listed six two two ninety five, So there's some size and some strengths. I know some people in the comments mentioned about what um, Carlton uh, Hasling, It was a wrestler, and obviously Bill and the Wave had a you know, kind of crazy path to the NFL, so you never count these guys out, but I think Old Depot, somebody will do a story on him, I, I probably imagine, to, to learn more about his path mm-hmm. because it's a pretty interesting one.
1: You never know, you, you, you and that's why they're invites, right?
0: Yep, exactly. So anyway, moving on here, Dave, uh, this morning for Steelers Depot, I did my way too early 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers roster prediction. And so we can go through that. And I want to get your thoughts on some of the names that I have and some of the names that I don't have on this roster prediction. So we'll start with quarterback. I have three of them. Kind of. I have Pickett, Trubisky, of course, and then a placeholder as a number three quarterback, because you cannot make me put Tanner Morgan on this list. And he's the only uh, quarterback on this team as of right now.
1: All right. what? uh, and because that, I mean, there's there's so much unknown there, right?
0: With Morgan, yeah, I just don't think that the tape would justify uh, a spot. If this was 2019, he was viewed as a top college quarterback. His career kind of fell apart, had a bunch of concussions, and so um, they're gonna have to they're gonna have a fourth quarterback on this roster at some point. I don't know if that'll be a veteran or not. Um, but if this team's gonna stay with its historical trends of keeping three quarterbacks, I don't think Morgan's that guy now. I think one interesting argument you could make, do they keep two? This is finally the year that they keep two, just simply because they don't really have a third guy to justify the spot. But as of right now, I'll assume they find a third quarterback, a veteran type at some point before week one.
1: And you threw out the uh, the idea in a post over the weekend on Nick, Nick Foles,
0: right? Yeah, they actually got better reception than I thought because I know Foles was really terrible last season and he's like kind of bordering on retiring at this point. But because he has an Andy Weidel connection, which has kind of been the theme of the offseason with some of the offensive linemen that have been brought in, uh, Foles was out there uh, in Philadelphia when Weidel was there in 2016, 2017, where, of course, Foles replaces Carson Wentz. They go on this great Super Bowl run, they win a Super Bowl. Those things certainly stick well with you. And, you know, Foles could be a number three, a mentor type. Um, uh, and just kind of almost be a coach, almost be like a Josh Dobbs type of guy. So I could see, uh, not not that you ever want to see Foles in the game, but I think if you're looking for that number three veteran quarterback that'll be cheap and probably want to come to Pittsburgh, good culture, chance to win, play for Mike Tomlin, reunite with Andy Weidel. I think Foles is a guy that you could, could convince to, hey, come in for one last season and let's just kind of give it one last one last ride.
1: Uh, when do you remember the last time this team did not take four quarterbacks to training camp?
0: Board a camp, I mean, I have to think they've done it basically every single year. I'd have to try to go back and find old training camp rosters, and some of those can be tougher to do the further that you go back. But I think most teams carry four, and Pittsburgh basically always has.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. So there, you know, uh, we'll have to see what. And, and you know, one one of the other things about uh, you know, especially when it comes to con. Uh, in some of these post draft interviews, is, you know, he reiterated that, you know, the, and there's going to, you know, what they're, they're at, what, 87? What did we say, 87 right now? Uh, yeah, on the roster. Uh, yeah, on, yep, on under contract. And then, then, you know, we think that a couple of these XFL guys are going to be uh, signed. Uh, uh uh the the uh cheaty and uh hakeem butler we like the chances of that that still leaves you uh one spot somewhere uh and there's gonna be a lot of roster uh manipulation here you know by the time even you know from now until the team even gets to OTAs and then even past OTAs you're gonna see some some flipping going on so it'll be interesting to see who uh, if indeed they bring in a fourth quarterback, which we, we we like the chances of that and 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 who that quarterback is.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a fourth quarterback uh, this weekend, and Hunter Johnson, who we mentioned, I believe, last week, the former five-star recruit at a high school that did not have a good college career, went to Clemson, then Northwestern, then back to Clemson through six passes last year. So he's an option to be signed, but obviously not somebody that I would uh, consider putting on a 53-man roster right now.
1: Yeah, and I understand. I guess where I'm getting going here is I understand why you kind of left that uh, a quarterback to be named later.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't like doing it that often, but I just really couldn't, could not justify putting Tanner Morgan there. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has a tremendous training camp and becomes the talk of the town, and I'm all for that. But uh, for now, just a placeholder at running back, keeping three as well with Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, and this number three spot's pretty wide open, like quarterback. But I'm going with a name here. Master Teague, I'm with you, Dave. I thought Teague turned heads last year before that ankle injury. He ran hard, had success in a preseason game. If he can show some special teams value, he's got a shot to make this team.
1: I think the fact that, you know, he, he you know, according to you, he came out and had a, had a good couple of days of camp and then obviously got hurt and had, uh, you know, rarely do you see these bottom of the, uh, especially at the running back position, uh bottom of the depth chart guys that get hurt like, like he did. And, and you know, and in other words, they, they don't usually circle back. Right. And, and, and he did. And I think, and then there's no, you know, Benny Stell obviously hasn't circled back and it's looking less and less likely that that will happen. And uh, I, I just, from the optics look, look of things right now, I think you have to give some credence to the uh, uh, to the idea that Master teague got their attention and they would like to see him uh, uh, make another run at this, you know, obviously through the offseason here. And if he can stay healthy, you know, uh, I, I like his chances as, as much as the next guy in here. So uh, I, I, I find no, no fault with you and your way too early prediction of having him as the uh, number three.
0: He's got size, he's got power, and those are basically the two things that Pittsburgh looks for in a running back. And they just love the big type of running backs. Those are the guys that have always worked well, the smaller types like McFarland's uh, of the world, the Rainies, the Archers have never panned out in Pittsburgh. And and Teague is like rocked up. I mean, he just looks unbelievable. So yeah, I'll go with Teague for now. Um, and maybe this team adds a veteran, I don't know, but uh that's who I'm going with right now in ma- in a uh, Master Teague. So at fullback, I'm putting a fullback here in Connor Hayward. I do believe he'll play more of a fullback role this year. Matt Canada seemed to kind of hint this much over Trapped Weekend and kind of be that H-back still that can, you know, catch passes in the flat off of boots, off of play action, can kind of be, I don't know what you want to call him, not a not a John L. Williams of the 90s, but sort of like that, I suppose, and somebody that can... factor back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not factor back, not on not Merrill Hodge on me, but somebody that can... You know, be more than a lead blocker, but also probably do some of that as well.
1: I think the biggest thing uh, that I'm interested to learn, maybe depending on how they use him, is is, is when it comes to Connor Hayward is uh, how he functions as a lead fullback blocker.
0: Yeah, because he's not the biggest guy and like the strongest guy. But we know that obviously him as an inline tight end is not going to be where he's going to win either. Now they're doing some of the off ball stuff last year, some of the split flow type concepts. And he got better at that. They were cutting because to start last year, they were just having him like stay on his feet to block these guys on split zones, which is not going to work well. But he was cutting later in the year and that became more effective. So obviously, him as a blocker is still a bit of a tricky point. But I, I kind of like him better as that lead blocker than you know him obviously being an inline wide tight end.
1: How much consideration did you give to Monte the mullet
0: you want to it'd be fun but uh I think you'll have a couple of good moments in camp but I think again in this Canada offense where you want these fullbacks to impact the pass game as well you know part not going to offer you really probably anything there
1: how and obviously this plays on into the tight end position which you decided to 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 keep there uh you have friar Moot Darnell Washington and Zach Gentry there uh I mean obviously I n- Fire Moose obviously set in stone. Darnell Washington set in stone to make the roster. Uh, you 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 you've got to like Connor Hayward's chances of, of making a roster in some way, shape, or form. There, uh, I, I guess where I'm, I'm where the thing to watch is is once again. Connor Hayward, how much is he actually used as the true fullback, how he functions there? Could they potentially, and, and, you know, you got a guy like um, uh, Monty. How do you pronounce his last name?
0: Yeah. I just say, I think Potterbaum.
1: Okay. Pot-a-bomb. Uh Can that guy make any noise? In other words, can you get to get to uh, a place where, you know, maybe, maybe Monty can be your, your fullback special teams guy. And then you wind up carrying Firemuth, Washington and, 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 and Connor Hayward with, with Connor kind of being that quasi, you know, he can fill both roles.
0: Actually, I think part bombs pronunciation is just uh loud tractor noises. I think that's how you say it. it's like a key yeah. and peel sketch. You just have some heavy machinery as your, your sound. That's probably like your throwback Iowa kid. That's how you pronounce it. Or, last or as
1: John Madden would say, boom.
0: Yeah, you just say boom, money, boom. That's just what you do the entire time. Um, yeah, I mean, what I want here, you know, keeping you, you could put Hayward as a tight end in that bucket, and that's fine. I don't really care. I think he's going to be used in a variety of ways, not just as a tight end, not just as a fullback. But you know, you're going to keep four tight ends slash fullbacks, which is what you had last year with Derek Watt and then Hayward, Frymouth, and Gentry. Uh, Gentry may not even be active on game day, but if you want to be the, the bully ball type of team with the big people up front, then you're going to keep Gentry. And if you don't keep Gentry, and you're going to keep four of the fullbacks slash tight ends, then who else are you going to put on there? Um, you could put Monty, I guess, as Rodney Williams, who's really more of a wide receiver type of tight end than a blocker. So that's why I went you know, with Washington and Gentry.
1: All right, I got you. All right, wide receivers. Interesting. Uh,
0: Yep. The six here, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, the third, Miles Boykin, and Anthony Miller. Miller was my 53rd and final player to put on this list. I think the top five I mentioned are pretty set in stone in terms of making this team, even Boykin, just because of the, I think, clear special teams value that he's going to offer. Miller, there's some versatility there. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll make some plays. Another veteran type of guy in that room, but Miller was the guy that you know, you could probably sub out for somebody else.
1: Yeah. It'll be, int- uh, I would think, and it'd be interesting, you know, to, to earmark this and, and come back to it later, but I- I'm with you to the fact that, uh, it feels as long as these, as uh, long as, and it's a, uh, once again, these things have a way of working themselves out, unfortunately. Uh, but assuming all these guys stay healthy, I would at least pencil in Johnson, George Pickens, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, the third, and Miles Boykin. And Miles Boykin primarily because he's such a damn good gunner, special teams player. Uh, mm-hmm. Then then it becomes a question of of, of A, do you keep six? In total, and B, who is at sixth?
0: Yeah, and obviously there's other names competing. Gunnar Wolszewski can't forget about him. Dan Chisena, I think, could be a really quality special teamer, but I think Boykin's return is going to, you know, certainly hurt Chesena's odds of of making the team. So those are other names to be in consideration. And of Co- course, Cody that,
1: White's one that's hung around a little, yeah. little while too. You know.
0: He just feels like, you know, a four a type player where he's never really going to make an impact in the NFL. Just like a practice squatter that can wear different hats, help you on teams a little bit, but never really, you know, slam dunk 53 man roster type. But, but yeah, he's, he's there as well.
1: All right. You have eight offensive linemen in total.
0: I do. I'll rattle them off here. Broderick Jones, Stan Moore, Chuck Boomer core for a tackle. Isaac Sayamalu, James Daniels, Nate Herbig at guard, and Mason Cole and Ryan McCollum at center. So notable names not on here. Probably a good place to start that. LaRaven Clark, Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson. I have Dotson. I'll assume he gets traded at some point in late camp for a you know, day three, uh, I don't know, fifth or sixth round pick in 2024. Kendrick Green, obviously on his way out, I'll say that you know Clark doesn't make it because you draft Broderick Jones. I think McCollum, interesting guy that we should talk about more. He's got some NFL experience. He's played center. He's played guard. He has length. He has size. I could see McCollum with a full year in Pittsburgh and having a a pretty good training camp.
1: All right. If you were to keep one more.
0: I mean, obviously, if you you told me that they couldn't trade Dotson, do you still keep him? I guess, but is he like next man up? I mean, Herbig would be next man up. So I'm not even sure what Dotson would do if you kept him, unless you just like extreme depth, that there were a ton of injuries, there is Spencer Anderson. Right. I'd, I'd probably go Spencer Anderson as that versatile guy that can kind of play everywhere. So I guess him, but I wanted at least one draft pick to not make it just so it didn't feel like every single draft pick makes it because typically not all of them do.
1: Right. Uh, that's where my mind one or two is, and it'll be interesting, A, to see starting uh, with this rookie mini camp you know, where Anderson starts off at and ha- and then on top of that, you know, do, do they move him up and down, you know, uh, will he be advanced enough to right out of the shoot and, and on into OTAs move around quite a bit. And then obviously think, how does he, he play?
0: Yeah, I think they will, you know. If you're drafting him to be versatile, start that, that versatility immediately. I know there's some inkling to let's get him in the one position before we start overwhelming him with different positions and techniques and uh, you know coaching points. But I mean, he's, he's probably a pretty smart guy to play all five spots. So I want him to start showing that versatility sooner than later.
1: It's rude. It's rude to say this because you hate to say that you're rooting against any, any one particular guy. But uh, (laughs) when it comes to LaRaven Clark, that's a Trent Scott guy. I mean, uh, hopefully they can get around having to keep LaRaven Clark.
0: Yeah, at this point, he's now your number four tackle. I mean, obviously, you know, whoever is not your starter between Jones and Moore becomes your swing guy. And so. You know Clark could try to bring value as a tackle eligible, which is what Scott did last year. Clark did some in Tennessee this year, but you could put more or Jones out there to be that guy, and, and that would be just fine.
1: All right, uh, true or false? Uh, they won't keep. Uh, they won't keep as many as ten offensive linemen. The number will be eight or nine.
0: True, eight or nine. Right? Have they even kept ten? Was the last time they kept ten? That feels. Pretty heavy. You know, it
1: feels long. It feels, feels like it has happened, but I don't know if it was IR related. You know, who right. knows? You know, sometimes this thing can, someone has to start off with a ding or something like that.
0: Do you have any thoughts on McCollum? I think that's kind of one of those sleeper names we don't talk about too much right well, now. Well, I just haven't
1: seen him play, you know, that in uh, the preseason last year. Yeah.
0: Got some decent tape.
1: All right. I mean, I, look, if there's one, if there's one position I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, depth wise where they could, Use a a veteran, it would be backup center. And I think I've kind of, I wrote about that recently as well, too. Uh, You look at all the guys in the room right now. Does anybody really step out head and shoulders to, 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 to be the backup to Mason Cole?
0: I do think if there's one critique in my roster, only going eight offensive linemen might might feel a little bit light. You might go nine, so you might, you know, swap out Miller for Anderson or somebody else on there. But of course, you have practice squad where you could, you know, call somebody up, elevate somebody if you had to, whenever injuries strike. Okay. All right, defensively, uh, with my defensive line, keeping the typical six of Cam Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi. I'll call the Marvin Leal at defensive end for now. And then a nose tackle, Keanu Benton, Armin Watts in. Ah, uh, Braden Fajoko. So keeping both Watts and Fajoko, which means that no Isaiah Ladample, no Montrevious Adams. And again, I think that roster turnover will continue as Omar Khan really builds this roster and this team in his vision. So some 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 shaking up there along the D line.
1: Yeah, quite a bit. Three new names in here, and Benton, Watts, and Fajoko. And then we don't eat. We're we're still wondering what's going to happen with Leal.
0: I think he is, too. He's probably wondering what, <laughs> what Pittsburgh's going to do with him. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't necessarily expect to keep both Watts and Fahoko initially, but when I kind of sat down and thought about it with Montrevious Adams, this team brought in three nose tackles over the last month, basically, you know, six weeks. What, is, what does that say about Montrevius Adams when they're bringing in three nose tackles behind you? Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't say anything that good. And you save a little bit of salary, at least by by dumping him. All right, I get it. So that's yeah, the names here. then Loudomoke is a guy that I think is very much on the bubble, probably even like outside looking in maybe right now because the pass rush has never been there and the run defense has frankly not been that good either.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, edge.
0: At edge rusher, your favorite position, keeping five, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. I'll call Nick Kerbig and edge because I guess it's going to at least be partially his role. Quincy Roche and David Perales putting a UDFA on there from Fresno State. There's always like one undrafted pass rusher that has a great camp in Pittsburgh, whether it's Ola Dainey, Duzar Skipper, Jameer Jones. And I'll say Perales, you made a ton of splash plays in college, just lack some size. It's going to be the next in that line of names.
1: All right. Uh, we'll play this into, because we've been, we're trying to mix in guys that they might add to the roster moving forward here. Uh, and PFF had a, uh, interesting, uh, kind of, I guess, dart throw, if you will, of, of, they went around the league and got, you know, guys still unsigned who would fit different places there. And they had, uh, I thought it was a pretty, uh, pretty deep, and, 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 I say this because I, I, I thought Kyle Van Noy made more than he made last year, but, uh, he made, you know, under I think two and a half million dollars last year with the Chargers, and you go back and you look at what, even though he's on up there in age what thirty two, I think, or, or or right around in there, and you look what this guy's been able to do, uh, the last I think five seasons alone, and 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 you know playing around, I think a minimum of like seven hundred defensive snaps over the course of the last five seasons, and I think he's averaged. 5.25 sacks over the last five seasons. On top of it, uh, I mean, obviously, Father Time is, is is neck and neck with him at this point. But I mean, when you go back and you look at what he did last year with the with the Chargers, and at the point of his career, I mean, you know, what is he worth right now? Would he? Would he? They could easily. They could easily afford uh, Kyle Van Noy at the salary he made last year, even slightly higher. If, if it got up to like, let's say two and a half million dollars with him, uh, he's, you know, he, he's got, he's got some versatility, a little bit of versatility to him too. How, would the, I guess, long story short, would that be an awful ad at two and a half million dollars of Kyle Van, Kyle Van Noy?
0: No, I don't think it would be. And I'm just looking at his numbers. I think, you know, what did you say the average was like 5.25 5.
1: sacks? I think over the course, I, I think I wrote over the course of the last five years that I think he's averaged uh, a minimum minimum of 700 and something defensive snaps played. Now, you, uh, I, you know, uh, I don't think you want to get in a situation where you have to play him 700 and something snaps, yeah. but. Uh, You know, if you could keep that number around 400, 450, I think would be more ideal because that would have mean, you know, and, and let's assume that, that injuries don't happen ahead of them. Uh, that means you're getting guys like Watt and Highsmith a little, a little bit of rest along the way there. And, you know, I, I think with his experience, he'd fit in good. And then, you know, it prevents you from having to rush Herb. you know, assuming that maybe you, you're, you're, you're headstrong, that Herbig's going to be an edge. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want him to kind of, cause even Weidel says, you know, he's gonna, we think he's going to get bigger naturally. Well, that's not going to happen unless he gets down to Permanti brothers,
0: <laughs> it's going to get longer. I think the length that people, yeah. people keep ignoring the length is right. our biggest issue with, with Nick Herbig.
1: Right. That And, and, you know, I do, do I think Herbig can maybe get a little bigger from, from a frame standpoint? Yeah, I think that's possible, but once mm-hmm. again, uh, w- uh, he's not going to get longer unless you have you unless you really want to go medieval this offseason. <laughs> put him on a rack. That does so.
0: exist apparently. <laughs> I was reading about this like there's some guy because I'm a short king myself, and I was like I'm just looking at this story. This guy got like metal rods put in his legs to make himself three inches taller, which just seems like an insane thing to do. That's totally not worth it. But uh, we could do that with Nick Herbert, I suppose.
1: You know, and, and let, let's face it, Roche, I mean, w- what is he in paralysis? E- e- even you know, he's got some, a little bit of length issues to him too. And, sure. you know, not the quickest guy off the ball and obviously a rookie and, and, and going to just be fighting to probably even make the practice squad. So I guess, uh, where I'm going with this is I will, you know, mark this down on, on the tape right here. So you can go back to it only if I'm right. Uh, I, I'd like the chance of this team still adding an experienced edge.
0: Yeah, they've been doing that. And I would totally understand why they would do that. With Van Noy, not even just the average of the sack totals, but over the last four seasons, the consistency of it, like the median of it, six and a half, six, five and five sacks mm-hmm. over his last four. So it's been just like consistent, steady production, even as he's gotten older and changed teams and been in different systems. Um, that I think is really interesting with Van Noy. So yeah, I'd be open to that. But you know, on the other hand, just like devil's advocate, this team may say that we got a bunch of young guys that are hungry that are going to compete with, with Herbig and Roche and Rallis and whoever else is in that mix. And we're going to let those guys compete and see what we have with this current group before we think about some of the outside additions.
1: As it sits right now, would you like to see a veteran added to this group?
0: Yes, especially if Leal's plan is to play more true d line.
1: Right, and see, that's another part of this equation. We we're we're waiting to find out too. Is what what's going to happen? What what room or rooms is Leal going to be in? You
0: know. Yeah, I know we sound like broken records talking about that the entire offseason. But we but don't know. It's a really important question.
1: And and we're not going to pretend like we know right. what and what it, directions he's going to go in.
0: And that answer would tell us a lot about how right. this roster may or may not look. So that's why it's a it's something we talk about you know so often. All right, inside. When you look at it, it looks a little thinner than you kind of realize. But the four I'm keeping here are Cole Holcomb, Mark Robinson, Alandon Roberts, and Tanner Muse. Muse primarily for special teams. That's it. That's the group right now. Uh, I think Herbie could play some off ball. And I, I, I noted on here that I think Robinson will be the week one starter. I know Roberts was signed and he had the two-year deal with, you know, not for a ton of money, but more than what Robinson is making. But I'm going to, uh, I'll bet you a dollar that Robinson is the week one starter.
1: Okay, I'll take that bet just, just okay. to be on the other side. I, I understand right. the reason behind it. It wouldn't hurt my feelings to see him progress like that to earn that role.
0: Yeah, but they're pretty similar players, Robinson and Roberts. Their makeup, their builds are are pretty close to, to ident- identical. At cornerback, some more changes here with Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr., Arthur Millette, and Shandon Sullivan. So no James Pierre, no Akella Witherspoon. Uh, those are the six that I'm keeping your thoughts, Dave.
1: Yeah, it feels like you could use uh, that slot, you know, uh, a, 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 a better slot to go in there as a backup.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, we talked about that so much in terms of who that guy's going to be. Basically, my thought was Peterson, Wallace, uh, Porter Jr., and Trice Jr. are your outside guys. Millette, Sullivan, more of your inside slot guys. Obviously, they may move Peterson around a bit, and these guys aren't necessarily going to be static, but that's kind of the way I broke up the room.
1: No James Pierre in there for for special teams, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I've always wanted to like Pierre's game and he's been, I think, a fine special teams guy. But at some point he's, you know, he's got to prove that he can be a real consistent cover guy and he's never been that that type. So obviously, you know, he'll he'll battle Trice. Um, It may come down to like a two dogs, one bone situation between uh, Corey Trice Jr. and, and James Pierre.
1: Yeah, I I I would have to think that uh, Danny Smith will have some little bit of say in in one of those spots there. So, uh, and I would like to think that James Pierre probably the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to guys Danny Smith likes.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. So we'll get in the camp and see how those guys look. And at safety, five with Minka Fitzpatrick, Demonte Casey, Keanu Neal, Miles Killebrew, and I'm keeping Trey Norwood. So eleven DBs, pretty heavy there. Norwood to me very much on the bubble after a disappointing sophomore season, but because of his versatility, because of the slot concerns, Norwood, in theory on paper should be a better, you know, slot coverage guy on third down. So he makes it as well.
1: And Miles Kilbrew lasts one more year, right?
0: Yeah, I think you know Pittsburgh loves to keep, you know, two or three core special teams guys and Calebrew and still is that guy. All right, specialist. Yeah, rattle them off here. Chris Boswell at kicker. Braden Mann at punter beating out. Presley Harvin the third and Christian Kuntz at long snapper.
1: All right, at least you should have a pretty decent battle at punter there, right?
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. I think last year they kind of sat there. They really brought in no competition for Harvin at all. They cut their punter early in camp, basically trying to put this full go of confidence in Harvin. Okay, you're our guy. Don't even think about competition. Just be the best player that you can be. Harvin was better last year, but not that much better man has a big leg like Harvin. I think he's had more productivity at the NFL level. If his hang times can be consistent, then he will be an option. And man can do kickoffs as well. And that may give Chris Boswell's leg as he gets older, a bit of a break.
1: All right. Uh, I like the reasoning there. How many of these 53 do you think you're going to hit 47?
0: Uh, as of right now. Yeah. I mean, because like this 47 or almost, you can't even <laughs> debate, you know, unless there's an injury that occurs or something. So that's probably an easy answer to give, but Just something to do here on a May and then, uh, you know, I'll have another one right before training camp. And, of course, they become more, more meaningful, more interesting once camp begins.
1: All right. I might try something similar here in the next week.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to that. Anything else, Dave, you want to talk about? I think those were all the things that we wanted to uh, basically hit on. Uh,
1: Trying to think. Did we miss anything we wanted to hit on?
0: Uh no, I think we're gonna try to do a draft roundtable Wednesday. No guarantee, but we might try to put something together. Probably do a couple of those versions throughout the off season. But hopefully, we'll have something. Something different for you guys uh, this Wednesday. All
1: right. And if you uh, submitted an entry into the uh, draft contest, I finally report for we had so many entries to that thing and they come in in all different various ways. Some in Excel format, some in Word, some in PDF, some in just attack, you know, just in an email body. And it, it makes for it made for quite a job. Uh, For David O to have to go through, but I think he's doubled and triple checked everything. So uh, look for a post maybe later on this evening with the initial what we think is the uh, top three in this. And obviously, if you find issue, uh, we will give like a 24 hour grace period to say, hey, you miss me here. Uh, I think my score was, was better than this because with so many entries, it just may, I got to find a better way to do, you know, we have so many entries with this. Uh, I got to find a, 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 an, an easier way for these entries to come in and more importantly to get scored because that's, uh, uh, it's taken quite a while to go through all these for, for David O. So, i uh, hope to have those results up on the site later on, uh, tonight here for, for people to go through and question and, and. Uh, I guess, contest if 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 they feel they were wrong here. Uh, All right. With with that, you want to get to some emails?
0: Yep. Let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show.
1: All right. Uh, Mark Miller writes in cap help. Uh, Now that we are past the draft, Dave, could you give a brief explanation of what is the benefit to, to a player for agreeing to a contract restructure? And are there any negative aspects for them? More importantly, what is the negative side to the team? He says, I see teams like the Browns giving a massive contract to Watson. And before they suffer from the cap hit, they just restructure. I know the cap is fluid, but it seems like they can. They they can just continue to kick the can down the road without any consequences. I know you've talked about this in the past, uh, but I just don't understand. Now the Ravens have done the same, and the Bengals are next. Uh, he says I want to see them all have to make sacrifices for these contract decisions. Please tell me it's coming. He says, uh, "Look, uh, you know, a I'll just start back. Remember back when the Steelers had." Uh, then Roethlisberger uh, under those franchise uh, quarterback numbers and how they had to keep restructuring uh, him. And it, it's, it's, it's really not I- any different and as far as the negatives to, to a contract restructure. uh First you got to look at I think at the positives of it. The positive is you get the instant cap relief in 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 that initial year. Uh the negatives related to it are obviously you are kicking uh so to speak the 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 the, the can down the road. Uh but within that as far as a a negative related to a player I mean, I suppose and I don't know that all the tax laws and all like that, but I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't think that they're significant. If anything, if I'm a player and I get my contract restructure, it kind of ties me to the team a little bit, at least, you know, for 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 the next year. It makes me a little bit harder to cut uh, in the, in the, in, let's say, the next two years, because you don't want to have the the can kicked and the player not standing by, beside the can. If that, if that makes uh, sense there Mm -hmm. Uh, and look, I mean, you're already talking about as part of restructure, you're talking about money. A player was already going to get in that initial year anyway, and he's still getting that money. It's just how it's allocated from, from a, from, from a cap standpoint there Uh, the, the, the real negatives to obviously doing this, what it, what it could become a negative, especially when you're, you're dealing with, you know, the higher end players here is you hope that the player stays healthy and productive and he can continue to stand alongside the can, if you will. Where you get into trouble is when, when, when you're dealing with situations where, I don't know, let's go back a couple of years ago with, I don't know, Willie Cologne and... I mean even Stefan to it most recently where you restructure the contract and then you end up having for whatever reason to to part ways with the player there uh the, you know the same obviously goes with a quarterback you're betting that you know, you, you'll at least make it to the balloon note, the final year uh, of that, where you can make a decision to get out from underneath of it. Especially when you're dealing with some of these guaranteed. You know, look at Lamar Jackson's contract that ended up being, you know, once again a series of option years that are that are guaranteed along in there. So, you know, the 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 the, the negative with this, uh, because you know, you do have cap escalation as well too, which you think the cap's going to go up to help offset you know, some of this kick in the can down the road and all like that. I mean, the real negative here is that it's a gamble that the player is going to be healthy and, and, and worthy of the money once you do the restructure, uh, uh, with them here. So, uh, look, you could see this coming and and I, I understand people saying, you know, Steeter fans wanting to root against these things going wrong for other teams, but, Weren't they rooting against it to go wrong with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, to to, to uh, uh, you know to, to some degree?
0: Yeah, I guess I'm trying to think back to then. Um, obviously, there's a lot of layers with, with all of this stuff that you're trying to obviously explain right now. Look, it
1: makes it hyper. When you have multiple high-dollar guys on your roster and you're having to restructure a couple of them and all, uh, in, 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 my mind, it, it really makes it, especially when you're dealing with a franchise quarterback here, uh, it makes it imperative that you really do good in the drafts, especially with your first three or four picks, right? You oh, really, yeah. you really want to hit on these guys because obviously with their rookie contracts, you don't have to worry about a replacing those guys and b replacing those guys with, with, you know, guys that make more money you know,
0: mm-hmm. uh, uh,
1: on top of it there. So it is a big, uh, hopefully I, I explained that uh, a little bit more than briefly, but, uh, you know, negative side for the player. I don't see a big negative at all, unless, you know, something related to taxes or something like that for a player to actually restructure. And when it comes to the team, you know, you're betting that he's going to be able to be there standing next to his can.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, like, I like the phrasing there. Yeah. I'm with you overall. I don't really have a whole lot more to add, but I think you explained it well. Let's see here. Hey, so real quick, somebody just asked and this is a very random and I'm not trying to uh uh tease anything here, but somebody had asked me hypothetically if Stephon Tuitt were to unretire and like want to come back to, to, and play football again, what, what would be any sort of like salary cap implications for that? Does that does that change anything on Pittsburgh's end?
1: Well, they've already eat. let's see where's the dead money sit with him right now.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess the contract, I guess, it's just like tolling in terms of the base salary, right? So it would just, yeah, I, I would think it would. toll.
1: Uh, I think this is the final year that they're eating 4.755 million in dead money, and that does not become undead, uh, either. Right. So, so, the 4.755 million in 2023 would stay. I would imagine that there you know you would be dealing with a toll aspect of the uh, of, of 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 the contract year from where he left off at uh, there. So
0: twenty twenty two space salary, right? I guess it would be. That yeah, and, and,
1: yeah, and I would have to. Uh, I I'm gonna have to look on the sheet of of if he even has officially. Do we remember if he officially retired or not? I can't remember.
0: I don't know if he filed the paperwork or not. I'd have to go back. I, I imagine that he did. I guess he didn't have there's nothing that says he has to, but I guess if you want to start potentially getting a pension and all those benefits, I think you have to submit your paperwork and then it's X amount of time after that paperwork has been filed. So I don't know for sure on that. I know it's a very random thing. Just I had a, a, a Twitter follower asked me that. I didn't have did not really have a good answer other than to say that Pittsburgh still retains his rights. Of course, if you did want to unretire, he's not a free agent. Um, but I didn't know how that might work from a salary cap implication standpoint. If, and again, there's no evidence that Tuit wants to do this. It's just a, somebody just asking me as a hypothetical out of the blue. But I thought it was an interesting question I wanted to get your your thoughts on briefly.
1: All right, here's the last transaction with him. And it happened on August. This is according to the uh, NFL database here. Uh, I believe the last transaction with with him was on June the 2nd. Remember that they had to wait Uh, to get past, I think, the whole uh, June 1st thing here. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was him being placed on the reserve retired list.
0: So he did file his paperwork.
1: Uh, I mean...
0: uh, Does that mean that?
1: I don't know if that's the same as officially retiring, just that he's been placed on the reserve uh, retired list. So he's, he's on a list, so he would have to be removed from the reserve. In other words, they own his rights right now. Sure. S- still. So sure. Uh, no other team can come in and say, Hey, 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 Stefan, you want to come out? Or, you know, you want to play for us because they, you, then you'd have the whole tampering.
0: Right. Uh, and Jim uh, mercy will tweet at you about it. Yeah, I think it's yeah.
1: what happens. There. Uh, so I think he would have to, a be removed from the reserve retired list. Uh, and then I would imagine it would toll back to his last year.
0: Okay, and then you have to figure out if you can handle that, you know, contractually. And I imagine whatever his base salary was was a fairly large number. I don't know the exact number, but wasn't around eleven
1: to eleven million or so, something like that.
0: Probably. So I I can't remember. I wonder how that. I mean, you sit there and how do you handle that as a team? You sit there and say, "Well, we didn't really account for this to it." Uh, How do you? I wonder how you handle that as a as an organization.
1: Well, you'd either have to, if he was dead set on making that kind of money then you'd probably have to think about restructuring it. They're not going to, I, I would think that they wouldn't, wouldn't do that. You know?
0: Right. Anyway, I don't mean to take it down the rabbit hole. Yeah. just wanted to, to answer that, that thought.
1: I mean, it's a good question, I suppose, for, for, for the old hypothetical crew and all like that. But uh, yeah, I would imagine it would toll because uh, the, the contract's still technically intact. He hasn't been cut, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, I knew it would toll. I just didn't know how the the salary aspect, you just, okay, well, it's back on your cap. If you want to bring them back, I guess you have to figure it out from there.
1: Right. Now, obviously, you wouldn't have the proration because you already ate the proration.
0: Yeah, but you'd have the base salary to, right. to account
1: for. Right. Uh, well, within that, I don't think we had a busy uh, week in the email machine here uh, overall. So I think that's a good stopping point for us then.
0: All right. We'll come back Wednesday, hopefully, with some sort of draft roundtable. I'm not entirely sure who it'll be. I know Jonathan Hightshard is on vacation right now, so he won't be part of this week's uh, roundtable. But I'm sure we'll do you know, at least one more if we do one at all on, on Wednesday. So we'll come back and, and see what we have for you guys.
1: All right. And let's see. No. Last week was a YouTube live stream. So no, no YouTube Correct. live stream. Right. OK. Correct. All right, uh, let's see. You can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteelersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upright, navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the ad-free button, upright, navigational bar, and follow the directions that way. So until Wednesday. As always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.